Wow, that was cool. Can we, uh, can we give a hand to all those people who agreed to share what's going on in their lives? It takes a lot of courage to um, put yourself out there and to speak in, in front of a large group of people like they all did. And I'm very thankful that they did. And quite honestly, the words that they have to say and uh, what Kaylee is going to do here at the end of the service is going to be a, a far greater uh, testimony than anything even I believe I'm going to say today. But I do want to share um, some thoughts and words this morning, um, words of encouragement and words to sort of wrap up this entire series. Um, if you have spent any time with uh, young kids, you know that there is one common question that they're always asking. Why? <laughs> why? 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 Every decision that's made, everything they've been told, there's always a follow-up question that says why. And I think why is an important question, and I think there's something fundamentally important about always being able to understand why we do anything. And I believe the why for why we have invested so much time in building community, authentic biblical community, to really focus on it and to build our life groups and to build this entire culture that we want to have of living together is simply this. The why is that every one of us, the most important decision that we're ever going to make in our lives is what are we going to do with Jesus Christ? That's our why. That's why we exist as a church. The church exists to make disciples, and those disciples exist to restore this fallen world. This church exists to help change the world and to bring people to Christ. That's why we exist. You see, the book of John reminds us that God is love. And that God created us in that perfect love. But in that true and perfect love that he gives us, he also gives us free will. And that free will that we have gives us the opportunity to either reject him or choose to live our lives in the way that he designed us to live. You see, God is a loving God, but he's also a just God. And he cannot, he cannot tolerate sin and so the problem is he can't tolerate sin, but we do sin because we have free will. And that creates an amazing problem that is solved by the love and the sacrifice of what Jesus did on the cross. That's why the church exists. And I want to share a couple of verses with you to help lead into the summary of this message and of this series. John three sixteen and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Now, I've got some really good news for you this morning. If this is the first time you've heard this, or if you've been here a couple times, and you're sort of deciding, you know, maybe what, what do I do with this? What do I do with Christ? What do I do with my faith? I want to share this message with you, this exciting news, and it's simply this. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what choices you've made, there's nothing that you've done that cannot be forgiven. There's nothing that you've said or done that cannot be covered by the grace of God. If you choose, if you choose that path, and that's good news, and that's news that we want to share this morning. It's, it's woven into everything we do as a church whether we do it subtly or whether we say it bluntly like I am right now, it all stems back to the fact that none of us can preach ourselves or work ourselves or do good deeds ourselves to buy us into heaven. Heaven comes through the grace that God gives us through Jesus. 
And that's the good news because then I don't have to worry about everything or everything that you do or I do to get us there. God has set that up for us through the sacrifice of Jesus. But it's our choice to follow. And when we see this type of importance, I think the two key verses that Jesus shares with us in Scripture, there are many, 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 but if I were to land on two critical ones, when I hear Jesus say what the most important commandment is, I think that's pretty important. And this is the one time I'm going to ask you to write three, actually four words, because I'm going to finish Matthew 22:37 by having you write that in. When asked what the greatest commandment is, Jesus replies, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And here's what I'd like you to write in right next to it. I want you to write it so we can really focus, because this is all about the community series we're doing. There's an adjoinder there at the end of that. And love will who? (laughs) Love your neighbor. I just want you to take a moment. You don't have to stand up. You don't have to do anything except if you can just kind of turn and look around right now at this uh, uh, great gathering here this morning. Just kind of take a look. You don't have to stare at each other. You don't have to make a lot of deep eye contact, but I just want you to take a look. When we're told to love our neighbors, guess what? Everybody in this congregation is our neighbor. Everybody on your street is your neighbor. People who we see on the news in other countries, people who we have contact with, whatever, whatever social networks that we have, those are all our neighbors. It's everyone. And we are commanded by Jesus to love our neighbors. And the second thing I want to make sure that we're completely focused on as we wrap up this series and we move forward in community is where we need to stay rooted all of the time. I have said this verse so many times, but as research tells us, we sometimes have to study things dozens of times before they become imprinted in our hearts. These are verses I keep repeating because I want them to be part of our DNA of this church. And it's John 15, 5 through 8. Jesus says to his disciples as he's departing from them, these are sort of some of his final words while he was with them. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. It's so simple and yet it's so profound, isn't it? If you just stay rooted in me through prayer, through study, through your lives together, I will bless you. I will give to you. I will provide for you. And I will bring you unimaginable joy while you're walking through this life here on this earth. But when we separate ourselves from that vine, when we start going our own way, when we start getting distracted with the things in life that are not connected to the vine, we've all walked down those roads too. And those roads are painful and they're difficult. And so our focus on why we do community is we do community to stay rooted into God and rooted into each other. That's what it all boils down to. And I want to share with you, we're going to be doing a long survey of the book of Acts at the start of the new year. I'm really excited for it. It's, it's the emergence of the early church. It's the original church, the first church. And there are two key things I want to share with you today as that ties to our church. 
In Acts 2.38, Peter says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And notice what happens within these churches that are forming. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Keep this in mind. Teaching and fellowship. To the breaking of bread or communion and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all believers were together and had everything in common. That's one more little image I want to give you as we go through some of the key verses that we studied these last few weeks. When we live in biblical community, we are together and we bring our commonalities to the foot of the cross. That's what we do. And I want to leave you with just one image before I go through some of these verses because to me, it's one of the best analogies that I can think of when I think of life in church, life in life groups, and in life together. Uh, about 10 years ago, I had a chance. I um, had a good friend uh, with the 185th um, up, up by Sergeant Bluff and had a chance to ride on one of their boom planes. If you've ever seen these things or have you ever been on one, they are amazing. And their sole purpose, and they were on a training mission that day, and another friend and I got to go up and watch what was going on. These planes are designed to simply be up in the air, and they are full of fuel. So that when fighter jets are going out on their missions, they go out, they do their mission, they come back, and they refuel with these boom planes. And so there's this gigantic tank of a plane sitting in the air, and all of a sudden, from the view that we had underneath this plane, we saw these fighters just coming up, one after another. And one at a time, just like clockwork, a fighter would come up, and they would actually pull the plane up, a little, some kind of a spigot, that's kind of hard to ex explain, but this spigot comes out of the bottom of the plane, the fighter jet comes up, the spigot connects with the fighter jet, and that fighter jet gets fueled up, and that fighter jet would then take off. And then another fighter jet would come up, and the spigot would go in, and it'd fuel up, and it would take off, and it would take off. And that's the purpose of this boom plane. And you know, when I think about life group, and I think about church in general, I think of this analogy. Because every day when we leave on a Sunday and we go out into the world that we're serving and the world that we're working in, isn't it oftentimes we sort of run out of steam? Uh, we run out of gas, we get tired, we get worn down, we get beat up, and where's the best place to refuel? It's to come right back to that life group. It's to come right back to this church. And it's through the energy of worship and it's the energy of, through the energy of prayer, and it's through the energy of studying scripture that we get refueled to go back out and do the work that God is calling us to do. So as we think about life together, I just want to walk through the key verses that makes this what it is. Romans 12, 5. So in Christ, we though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Every one of you, myself included, every one of us should be living lives that are a testament to Christ and a witness to Christ. That's our ministry. It doesn't matter the work that we do. It doesn't matter where we are. Every moment we, as Christ followers, have an opportunity to witness for him. And we do that much better when we are in community to strengthen and encourage and to grow each other so that we can go and do that work. And many times we get to do that work together. 
but we continue to grow because of the encouragement we have with each other. We continue to grow because of the Holy Spirit that comes into us when we accept Christ, and we continue to grow when we stay rooted in the vine. Eternity, heaven, is going to be a beautiful, wonderful place, but we're being told in Scripture that we can help bring some of that heaven in our daily lives here on this earth. And that's an important part of how and why we live in community. We do this so that we can walk together. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some have the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. I'm going to ask a simple question with each one of these points as you go through. And, and my goal is for you to have this sheet, to have it for your refrigerator, to have it for a place on your study or on your mantle where you can refer back to it. This is why we're building these scriptures inside of our hearts and inside of our minds. It's important to first of all think about where and when are we walking alone. And we go back to what we're taught in Hebrews, that we are always to gather that we may always continue to encourage and to spur one another on. We don't give up. We walk together. Number two, it's helping us to work together. It's Monday tomorrow, and most of you are dreading Mondays because it's uh, the end of the weekend, and you're going to start your work week. And I have a simple challenge for you. Do you see your work as drudgery, or do you see your work as purposeful? Because God designs us to work He designs us to serve him. He designs us to stay active. And in Ephesians 2.10, Paul says, God made us to do good works, which he planned in advance for us to live our lives doing. I've always believed that one of the most important places and one of the most important ways that Christians can really witness is by how we work, by how we serve in our work, by how we encourage in our work. We are designed to work, and we are designed to work together. And that's part of this community. That's part of what we do together. Number three, critically important, and don't read into any of the importance of the order. I just was spelling these out as we went through this series. We are designed to pray together. Matthew 18, 19 through 20 says, Again, truly I tell you, that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. And this is a foundational verse, I believe, for this church. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. How often are you praying yourselves? How often are you praying with your spouses or your children, or the most important people in your families? How often are you praying together with your friends? How often are you praying together in your life groups? There is something exceptionally powerful about coming together, whether it's three people or 30, and you're coming together in corporate prayer. There's an assurance in Scripture that when we gather in prayer, Christ is with us. and He wants to provide for us the things that we ask. Next is persevering together. I had a doctor friend tell me that one of the most important witnesses he sees, because he sees sick people every single day, one of the things that has been most impactful on him and his faith is when he sees believers who have an assurance in their eternity, who have an assurance in their lives, when they are facing life-threatening situations, how they respond 
their willingness to persevere through any type of suffering, through any type of challenge. You see, when we face struggles, and it's a promise that when we're on this earth, we're going to face difficulties, we're going to face challenges. The Christian response is to humbly persevere. John 13, 35 says, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples. And again, loving one another. In our most difficult times, do we still find the strength and the hope to love? No matter what cards have been dealt, do we still love? Growing together. I loved how Vicki described this in her testimony this morning. Just that sense of knowing that when I'm back and rooted here, this is when I take off. And in Romans 15, 5, Paul says that may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. We should have an interest in making sure, as Grady talked about, looking over the the fence of our neighbors, we are looking out for each other. We are growing each other. We are spurring each other on. And this provides an opportunity to grow deeply in our worship together. Hebrews 13, 15 through 18 says, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden for that would be of no benefit to you. The time we gather to worship is holy and sacred time. We spur each other on, we connect with God, we refuel ourselves in worship. And might I remind you that every experience you have, every opportunity you have, wherever you are, there's a chance to worship God through prayer, through observance of his creation, through interactions with each other. We always are worshiping together. And the final three I want to walk through here with you as well to kind of close here. And these are key ones. We love together. I have really been mulling over last week's sermon myself and that verse of 1 Corinthians 13, 7. Love always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. And that idea that we're always paying attention with love, we're always looking out for each other, we're always making sure everyone around us is taken care of. That's part of living in community and loving each other the way Christ loves this church and the way he loves you. Are your close relationships, are the most important relationships in your lives rooted in the kind of love that protects, trusts, hopes, and perseveres? That's a guiding question that we should be asking ourselves all the time as we examine the key relationships and how they're going in our lives. We serve together. Spent a lot of time hearing about some of the exciting things that groups are doing, that we're doing together to serve the needs around us. And there are needs everywhere. And we see them, we know them. The question is, what are we going to do about it as Christ followers? And in Romans 12:1, we are spurred on to offer our bodies, offer everything we have as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Serving is worship. And it's kind of cool how that connects. And finally, I want to share this last one, and this was a big subject of what we talked about last week. Christian community reflects where we belong together. And I just want to share this from Ecclesiastes chapter 4. 
Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And I would encourage every family in this church to find some place to write these words, this last part of this verse. Because I love the image. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. I love that. If you want to describe what community looks like, start right there. When we're banded together, even three, now imagine 100. Now imagine 150, 200. Pick a number. When we are banded together, we are not easily broken. So that's the why. That's the why we invested in seven weeks of studying how to grow community within our church. I want this to be part of the culture that we have moving forward. That everything we do is in the focus of how we're doing it together for the glory of God. And so here's my invitation this morning. My invitation is simply this. If you're not at the point where you believe yet, I'm going to encourage you. Believe. If you're at the point where you have belief but you're not quite ready to follow, I'm going to ask you a very blunt question. What's holding you back? Take the step and follow Christ. And number three, once you are a follower, what is keeping you from connecting with each other? Connect next. Because when we believe and when we follow and we, we connect, there's one big step left, and that's where God can unleash the world for us. That's where we go. We simply say, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go and serve. I'm ready to go and persevere. I'm, going, I'm ready to go and worship. I'm ready to grow in love, and I am ready to simply go. And that's what this is all about. Each person in here with the opportunity to use their gifts, to be charged in this community, to charge up in this community, and then to take those gifts out and go and serve in the ways that God has designed you to serve. We should never tire with the goal of advancing the kingdom. That's why we exist, and that's what we do. So I want to close today with what I think is the perfect example of that next step. Aaron and uh, Kaylee are going to come out here in a second. Kaylee has made a decision for Jesus, and we celebrate that. That is awesome. That is the most exciting part of doing church, of being together, to see young lives, lives wherever you are in whatever stage, to see a life change and to see a commitment for Christ. And I'm going to turn this over to Aaron in just a second, but I want to close with this thought before I turn it over to Aaron. Kaylee's making a huge decision today to follow Jesus. It would be malpractice on our part as a church to say, hey, great job, Kaylee, good choice, and then to sort of let her be off on her own, wouldn't it? That would never make any sense. She's going to make a decision today, and this is the time when the church gathers around her and says, we're here to spur you on. We're here to worship with you, to care for you, to pray with you, and to help you grow. Why is that any different for any one of us living in this community together to consistently and constantly give to each other that love of Jesus? As I said before, the testimonies on the screen and the testimony you're about to see, that's what this morning is all about. So I'm going to step out of the way, and I'm going to turn it over to Aaron and Kaylee.